1: Head over to my website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So, today we're going to talk about my day in the rooms. So, I've seen around 10 patients up to date and with a variety of issues but they're issues that i come across on a regular basis so the first patient this morning was a couple who came in not surprisingly very anxious i saw them about seven weeks ago and unfortunately what we turned up on investigation was a sperm count of around six million which is low the odds of a pregnancy in twelve months in that couple, if that was the average count, uh, would be in the order of only five to ten percent in a twelve-month time frame. So, less than a one percent chance per month. So he conceded that some twelve months ago he did take some anabolic steroids. He wanted to buff himself up to impress his girlfriend. And I suspect this is what had the impact. So he's stopped those six months ago, but there obviously still was some effect because now three months later, his count, when I opened up the results today, showed a massive improvement to 16.5 million sperm per mil. And not surprisingly, they were delighted. She's had all the various tests, including tests on her tubes, and everything's been normal. So she's normal, and now he is virtually back to normal. So I was very optimistic that they'll go away and over the next three or four months have a high chance of conceiving. They're the sort of couple who won't need IVF. The next patient we saw uh, was, interestingly, almost the same story. Although this man hadn't taken steroids, his count was a bit low. That was three months ago that I saw him. He improved his diet. He lost a bit of weight. He started taking some selenium and zinc and vitamin C. And his count had jumped to 17 million. Now, I wonder whether it's any of those medications. So don't rush out and take them. I'm sure they did no harm. But unfortunately, the other issue is that sperm counts do vary, Uh, perhaps not by that much. But again, I reassured them that spontaneous pregnancy was likely and that i would see them again in three months. They have been trying now for 18 months, so they're getting a little impatient, but the fact that the sperm count was better was very reassuring. The next couple I saw were ones with, sadly, a miscarriage after IVF. So this only happened relatively recently. She had a, a dilatation and curatage to remove the, the miscarriage about a month ago, and she was still very distressed. I think a miscarriage after going through infertility for some time, this couple was about 18 months, to then go through IVF with all its trauma, to then conceive, and the joy of conceiving after all of that time, carrying on until eight weeks of pregnancy and then discovering that the pregnancy was not going to continue. That hit in the head is huge and really difficult to recover from in the short term. So I had both she and her husband in tears as we were discussing potentially why it might have happened and what their way forward would be. So for them the cause of the miscarriage as it turned out because we did genetic testing on the placenta is a genetic abnormality and it was really nature getting rid of something that shouldn't be there and that genetic abnormality is nothing to do with them it's purely a chance event. We know that around 60% of miscarriages are because nature's got the chromosome numbers wrong. In some senses they're fortunate in that they have a number of embryos in storage that out of that IVF cycle that she had she got seven or eight embryos. It's a great result. Based on her age probably half of them will be genetically normal and half not. So we discussed the possibility of now genetically testing them because at least that will mean we'll put back an embryo that won't miscarriage because of a genetic defect. But there are risks in testing those embryos because we have to now thaw them, biopsy them, refreeze them and then obviously when it comes time to do the transfer to thaw them once again. In our clinic there's probably about a 2% chance of each of those embryos not making it through that process. It doesn't seem to do any harm if they do survive the process and certainly the embryo with the normal genetics has a good chance of producing a pregnancy. So they were going away to think about whether that's what they wanted to do. I advised them not to rush into another transfer cycle until they'd come to terms with the disaster that happened to them. I'm recommended that they see our counselor um, to talk it through a little bit more because clearly they're both very distressed. The next couple take me to the other end of the spectrum, the, the 47-year-old lady who left it quite late in life to find the right man. They now have wanted to have children for the last 12 months and came to see me now some six or eight months ago, and they decided that they would do everything to push forward the possibility of a pregnancy. We had a long discussion at that time about the chances of success in a 47-year-old. I told them that in my 35 years of treating patients with IVF, I'd only ever had one patient at 47 conceive with her own eggs and have a baby. The odds are very, very low. But as she said, and she reiterated again today, I want to do everything possible. I don't want to have regrets. Her partner also agreed with this approach. So what have they done so far? Well, their first cycle, we got two eggs, but we didn't get an embryo to transfer. They didn't grow. They didn't grow on after they'd fertilized. They almost stopped at that point, but they were determined to try once more. I told them, as I tell many of these patients, that it's like looking for the needle in the haystack. It's a less than 1% chance of success, but they wanted to keep going. So I changed the regime around, and we Use something called a flare cycle and we got one egg this time that egg remarkably grew through to a blastocyst so the odds of that one egg getting to that point at 47 is probably less than five percent but they did it and unfortunately perhaps in some people's eyes it has given them slightly more hope I did my best to quell that hope because I still don't think that there's any better than a 1 in 500 chance of them ending up with a baby with another cycle. But they seem to be adamant that they want to do three cycles before they give up. It's that point where they will stop. If they hadn't got an embryo this time, they probably would have stopped then. But getting the embryo gave them that little glimmer of hope. So... We will start another cycle in about six weeks time. She's been taking DHEA because she's heard it might improve egg quality, and I go along with that at this point in time. So hopefully maybe in seven or eight weeks time, I'll report a positive pregnancy test, but it is incredible long shot. Then today we've had two pregnancy scans, which are always wonderful. That you've done IVF, you've travelled the road, you've got an embryo that's gone back and you've had a positive pregnancy test. Both these ladies had already had the scan at six weeks, which has showed a good pregnancy, and they came back two weeks later today, and the pregnancy is still ongoing. We listen to the heartbeat, which brings joy to all of us. And once they get to nine weeks of pregnancy, which both these ladies were now, there's over a 95% chance they'll end up with a baby in their arms at the end of the day. So it was a long day, uh, lots of talking, lots of listening, lots of joy, but also, unfortunately, failures. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu.
0: Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF Journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr Chapman's rooms on one 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au